Please join me with a call to worship that is printed in your bulletin. Sing praises to the Lord, O you he faithful ones, and give thanks to God's holy name. You have turned mourning into dancing and clothed us with joy. the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us, Christ rose for us, Christ reigns in power for us, and Christ prays for us. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Eternal God, whose love is beyond imagination, We raise to you our prayer of thanksgiving and praise. We thank you for each new day you grant us, for the long days of summer, for brilliant sun and blue skies, and for rain that waters new growth and replenishes the earth. Help us always to remember that it is you who have bestowed life upon us, and it is you to whom we are to give thanks. Help us in those moments when we take life for granted, or when we have a tendency to grumble and complain, remind us then of whose we are and to thank you for all your blessings and your mercies to us. Merciful God, we pray for all those in need. To all who suffer sickness or weakness, give health and strength. To all who are disturbed or troubled, give rest and understanding. To all who are lonely and alienated, give fellowship and love. To all who grieve and sorrow, give comfort and assurance. To all who are aged and frail, give homes of comfort and safety and others to help them. God of every land and nation, 
you have created all people and sent us a Savior, Jesus Christ, to break down the walls of hostility that divide us. Send peace to the earth and put down greed, pride, and anger, which turn nation against nation and race against race. Speed the day when wars will end and the whole world will accept your rule, when there will be peace on earth at last, a peace that is broader and deeper than the end of war. We pray for the restoration of this world, for reconciliation, healing, and renewal. We lift up those who we have named this morning and those known only to you. And we ask you to bless all who are here this morning. Give us a joy that outlasts our sorrows. Give us a hope stronger than the despair of our discouragement. And give us a new belief that we have reason to rejoice, to be glad for who we are, because you made us and gave us life. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Living God, help us to hear your holy word and open our hearts so that we may truly understand and understanding that we may believe and believing that we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression... You who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work then that work, rather than the neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption of the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. May God bless to our understanding this reading from the Word. Our second scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11 and 16 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. After hearing Jesus' instructions, I wonder if any of Jesus' 70 followers were tempted to decline the opportunity to go ahead of Jesus to the towns and places he intended to go. The thought of being sent out like lambs into the midst of wolves and laboring in a harvest doesn't sound very appealing now, does it? Neither does depending on the hospitality of strangers for food and shelter. And there is the possibility of rejection. None of us like the idea of being rejected. Wouldn't it be easier and a whole lot safer to follow along in the crowd behind Jesus, letting him take all the risks and do all the work? If these thoughts did cross the minds of the 70, we will never know. All we know is this. As vulnerable as they might have been, they obediently accepted their mission and went out to prepare the way for Jesus. The 70 carried no money or personal belongings, not even sandals for their feet or a change of clothes. They were completely dependent on the hospitality of strangers for food and shelter, and there was no guarantee that anyone in the towns or villages would welcome their message, let alone feed them and give them a place to sleep. Indifference and outright rejection of their message and even danger were real possibilities. Having to walk to the next town tired and hungry and disappointed could happen on any given day. Yet, they went willingly preparing the way for Jesus. 
The 70 and all of Jesus' missionaries throughout the centuries and to this day have faced indifference, rejection, and at times danger. They have risked, and they risk, bodily harm, imprisonment, and some even death, yet they go willingly. Their message is this. In the person of Jesus of Nazareth, the kingdom of God has come near, and through him, a vision of a different way of living, a way of living that is based on the love of God. It is a life of shalom, a life of wholeness and well-being meant to be experienced by all people. It is a life of healing and abiding peace, of abounding love and a life of hope. It is the kingdom of God. In a world that is too often indifferent to violence and poverty, hunger and war, where greed is sold as a virtue and sustaining the lives of the disabled and the elderly is deemed by some a financial burden, and where human dignity and equality for all is still a dream, the mission of the 70 is our mission, and it is still an urgent one. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The 70 followed Jesus, listening to his teaching and witnesses to his healing transformation of lives. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and would be with them only a little while longer. They would no longer follow along as spectators, listening and watching Jesus. It was time for them to take their part in the healing and teaching ministry of Jesus. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and John speak of 12 disciples, but the Gospel of Luke tells us there were more. There were large groups of people following Jesus. By appointing the 70 to go to the towns and villages before him, Jesus was empowering and commissioning his followers to carry on his work. They, together with the Twelve, would become the early church. The mission of the Seventy remains the mission of the church today. God still empowers us to proclaim the kingdom as we are sent into the world as representatives of Jesus Christ. According to the Pew Research Center, the number of Americans who do not identify with any religion continues to grow and grow rapidly. One-fifth of the U.S. public and a third of adults under the age of 30 do not identify with any religion. They include more than 13 million self-described atheists and agnostics, as well as 33 million people who say they have no particular religious affiliation. Overwhelmingly, they think that religious organizations are too concerned with money and power, too focused on rules, and too involved in politics. Rather than looking at these numbers and shrinking church membership, wringing our hands and crying out in despair, let's look at these numbers as a tremendous opportunity and a privilege for us to fulfill the mission God has given us. 
we can be the messengers of God's love and purpose in the world to everyone we meet every day, especially those with no religious affiliation. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I admire people who can walk up to anyone, testify to their faith, and present a powerful, moving case for Christ that can capture the attention of even the most recalcitrant unbeliever. It is a gift that I would like to have, but I have been blessed with other gifts. Just as you, every one of you, have been blessed with your gifts. Gifts are the abilities that God has given us for service to the church and to the world. The mission of the Presbyterian Church of Milford is to show and share the presence of Christ in the world. Your worship bulletin says that on the very first page. If you turn to your bulletin, you will see that our mission, the Presbyterian Church of Milford, Our response to God's call for us to show and share the presence of Christ in the world is our mission to nurture, helping people to see God working in their lives, enabling them to respond to God's call for wholeness, to encourage, supporting one another in our faith walk together, experiencing Christ on a deeper personal level, and to celebrate inspired by the Holy Spirit to learn, work, and play together in our faith, sharing our joy with the world. For this mission, each of us has been blessed with the ability to show and share the presence of Christ in the world. Like the 70, every one of us is commissioned to continue Jesus' mission wherever we go. St. Francis of St. Francis of Assisi said, Preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. If we take St. Francis' advice, our first step in showing and sharing the presence of Christ in the world is by taking action. Words are useful and powerful, but actions often speak louder than words. We learn from Jesus how to live the kingdom of God. Jesus taught by word and deed, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, and binding up the brokenhearted. He ate with outcasts and forgave sinners. We are called to continue Jesus' ministry. There is much work to be done in this world. There is much we can do, and there is much that we are doing, but we can do more. The need is great and growing as communities and organizations, as well as churches, can no longer pay staff and financially support much-needed programs. Whatever we say, whatever we do, as a congregation or individually, reflects back on Jesus Christ, this congregation, and the church as a whole. While we are in the community, we work side-by-side with the 20% with no religious affiliation. We have the opportunity to tell them the story of Jesus Christ in ways that speak louder than words, by our actions and by our involvement. They will see that we are motivated and guided by more than the success of projects 
and personal power and achievement. We are empowered and guided by our vision of the kingdom of God, the way God means the world to be. Our actions can dispel their misconception of our priorities, and who knows where that could lead. The mission of the church is not for a select few. We are all called to contribute in our own way, using the gifts and talents that God has given us. Everyone has something to contribute. Jesus completed the mission God gave him, and we are to complete ours. The 70 were not trained in the theology and doctrines of the time. They likely were not charismatic and eloquent speakers. The 70 simply did what Jesus did. They were messengers of God's purpose and God's love in the world. Jesus said, go, and they went. Jesus didn't provide the 70 with budgets and expense accounts and the best accommodations money could buy. He warned them that they were taking a risk, and not everyone would welcome them. Some would oppose them, and some might even want to harm them. They were like lambs going into the midst of wolves. But that was okay, because Jesus was blessing them and giving them the authority to speak and act for him. Their mission was one of peace. They were to eat what was provided, heal the sick, and announce the kingdom. If they were rejected, they were to shake the dust from their feet and move on. And then an amazing thing happened. The 70 returned to Jesus with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. They were excited and surprised by what they could do. They thought they were doing small deeds of ministry, ordinary things done by ordinary people. But Jesus told them what they were really doing was defeating evil. Satan, the prince of evil, fell from the sky like a flash of lightning. Evil can be defeated. What does it mean for us to take the good news into the world? Are we too surprised at what we can do? Do we return with joy in our hearts? What evil are we bringing down? Whose lives are we touching? How are we making a difference? Is there more we can do? Is it worth discomfort and risk before indifference and hostility to show the world a different way of living, one based on the love of God, that a life of wholeness and well-being really could be experienced by all people, a life of healing and abiding peace, of abounding love and hope? What amazing tales will we tell Christ? Is it worth traveling this journey with fewer possessions to see the evil of violence and war, hunger and poverty, hopelessness and despair tumble out of the sky? 
Isn't it really the most exciting and joyful thing that we can do is to go willingly preparing the way for Jesus? The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Here are the words of St. Teresa of Avila that can sustain us in our mission as we go out into the world. She tells us, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ looks compassion into the world. Yours are the feet with which Christ walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which Christ blesses the world. The kingdom of God has come near to you. Thanks be to God. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we hear the words of Jesus saying that anyone who has faith in him will do his works. We who have faith in the risen Christ offer to you not only these gifts but ourselves. Bless us and what we offer so that your love and your saving and healing power may be evident to all and so that your name will be glorified forever and ever. Amen.